it's an honor to be here. I love coming out here to be with you guys. We've been here uh, several times, me and my family, and every single time we come here, uh, it's just a blessing because you guys are just so nice. I mean, you walk through the door and it's warm. It just feels like home, and that's when you know when you're in a good church, when you walk through the doors and you just feel welcome, you feel loved, and so I want to thank you for that. Pastor Russ texted me a, a couple days ago and asked if I could come out and, and share, and I immediately said, Absolutely. I love Pastor Russ. He's awesome. He's a real dude. He's down to earth. You know, I was thinking about his beard. He don't care. <laughs> he don't care. He don't care if it doesn't look like he's on his ID or not. He's going he's gonna to wear it anyway. So um, I thank Pastor Russ and for inviting me and my family out here. And I, can, I encourage you guys, continue to pray for your pastor. Lift him up in your prayers because he's got a hard job. It's not easy doing what he does, and he carries a lot of weight. And so just keep him in your prayers. And I also, like I said, I thank all of you. I thank you for allowing us to come here and be with you this morning, and uh, I thank you for braving the weather and coming out in the cold. It was a tough drive for me and why, my family. We live in Batavia, and man, some of those country roads, the, the drifting and the, and the blowing, I was like, man, I don't know if we're going to make it. There was a car off uh, in a field, and I was like, man, God, I hope that's not us. But, uh, but we made it, and uh, I'm glad we did. We're happy to be here. And so the, the title of my message is called Let It Go, and I'm going to read uh, a, a few different verses with you today. And uh, I, I don't really have a key verse, so I'm not going to tell you to turn to your Bible. Just follow along with me. Just listen, because I'm going to jump around a little bit. And uh, so it's called um, Let It Go, and we're going to be talking about forgiveness. Um, you know, many of you know my testimony. I've been here several times. You know, I grew up in a house where uh, my mom was a drug addict and an alcoholic, my brothers. And uh, I, at a young age, started using drugs and, and drinking. And I made a lot of mistakes, and I hurt a lot of people. And one of the things I did when I gave my heart to Jesus is after I asked him forgiveness for my sins, I started to go to other people. I get a little emotional when I talk about my, how, what God's done in my life, and I started asking uh, them to forgive me. Um, but I realized that I've been hurt too. You know, hurt people hurt people. We've all heard, you know, heard that before. And so uh, one of the things I struggled with, I didn't struggle with asking for forgiveness, not at all. God really humbled my heart and changed who I was, and I wanted to go to people and apologize for the things I've done in the past and ask for forgiveness. But there was some stuff that happened to me in my life that I struggled with, and I kind of held on to it for a long time, and God began to work on me, and I was able to let that go. And I know that this subject, when we talk about forgiveness, can make people a little uncomfortable. Maybe even now, just talking about it, maybe there's someone here already that's feeling a little uncomfortable about this topic. And so before we go any further, I want to pray and invite God into the next part of the service and then uh, get right into the word. So if you would bow your head and close your eyes with me, let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this opportunity to share your word in your house tonight, God. Lord, I pray for the next few moments you just allow your Holy Spirit to move through me. God, I am at your service. And Lord, I pray that you take me out of it, that nobody would see me, but God, they would see you. And God, I pray for your anointing to come upon me. God, because without it, I'm nothing in my words fall flat. And God, I thank you for what you've done already during the worship. And Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do, because I know that you're going to touch somebody's heart today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And so, you know, one of the hardest things that I've seen working at a church is when we people refuse to move forward because they are unwilling to let go. Unwilling to let go of something that was said to them or something that was done to them. And I can tell you right now from what I've saw 
in the years that I've worked at a church that nothing will put your life on pause like being unwilling to forgive. Nothing will hinder your prayer life or your spiritual growth like being unwilling to forgive. Sometimes we have this sense when we talk about forgiveness that people say, well, you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what they did. What they did to me was too great. I can't forgive. And people refuse to move forward and they keep these records of wrongdoings. And they continue to hold things against people. And I know you've all probably heard this a thousand times. Being unwilling to forgive is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You think it's hurting them, but it's really killing you. And when you hold this unforgiveness in your heart, and when you're unwilling to let go of some of the things that happened to you, when you're unwilling to clear the record, what happens is the person you're holding unforgiveness towards has more control over you now than they ever did before. Because their life goes on, and we get stuck in a moment. Because it only takes a moment to get hurt. It only takes a moment to get offended. And so when we hold on to this unforgiveness, they go on, they forget about it, but we stay stuck in this moment, this moment of hurt or this pain. And I know that this subject can be difficult to talk about. It could be tough. And so I'm going to move into the scriptures by, you know, um, sharing a story. And I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you here today would agree that there's nothing better than free food? Um, (laughs) Seriously, I think we all can agree there's nothing better than free food. Actually, when Pastor Russ texted me and said, Chris, would you come out and share the word? My speaker fell through. He's not going to be able to make it. And I said, absolutely, because I love Pastor Russ. But when I texted him, I said, one condition, you buy me lunch. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Because who doesn't love food? Who doesn't love free food, right? And so there's nothing like going into a restaurant knowing that the bill is paid for. That you don't have to worry about it. That you can go in. So I'm going to share a story with you, right? So I was working at a church, and my pastor came up to me. He says, come on, we're going to lunch. I'm going to show you two, two for instances. He came up to me, and I, I only had a few bucks, but I had enough for lunch. So I was like, yeah, let's go to lunch. And the whole staff went out to lunch, and, you know, it, it was a great time. But if you know, pastors love to eat. They love to go out to lunch. They love to drink coffee. And so Pastor Marty, he loves to to eat all the time. And so I don't always have money to buy lunch. I got a wife and three kids, and you guys know you got money, but it's kind of spoken for, right? right? So I don't always have money to go out. And so he walks up. He's like, come on. Uh, he calls me Chrissy. Come on, Chrissy. We're, we're going to get some lunch. I said, no, nah, Pastor, I'm not hungry. I was starving. I just didn't have any money. And so he was like, come on, we're going we're gonna to get some lunch. And I was like, no, no, no. And you can't tell a pastor no when it comes to food. And so he insisted, and he insisted, and I did have some money. I only had a few bucks, so we're it was in the, in the summertime. We're walking down Main Street, Batavia, and I'm kind of bothered by the fact that I don't really have much money. I only got a few dollars, to be honest with you. And he was persistent. And so I ran up to him. The rest of the staff is behind us. And I, I said, hey, Pastor Marty. He says, yeah. I said, I got to be honest with you, bro. I said, I don't have any lunch money. And he just giggled a little bit. He's like, you don't have to worry about that. This one's on me. And so immediately, I went from being nervous, right, not knowing how I was going to pay this bill or what I was going to order. I was trying to think, okay, what's the cheapest thing on the menu? But as soon as he said that he was going to pay for it, everything changed. I became, I was starving. I was hungry. I'm looking at the, at the menu trying to think what I'm going to order. I didn't want any appetizers before, but I do now. Why? Because he's going to pay for it. And so I'm eating this, right? 
And so we had a lunch. We had a great lunch. He's amazing. Um, and when that bill came, right, he took it, just like he said. When he snatched it up and he paid the bill, and I just felt totally blessed. Because, you know, one, he, he's, a, he's a man of God. He loves to bless people and, and, you know, do nice things. And that was really nice of him for the do. But also, it was like a weight was lifted off of me. I just knew that, you know, I didn't have to worry about it. It, it was taken care of. Because here I was, I'm going to, to lunch. Literally, I'm telling you the truth. We're walking down Main Street, and I'm expecting this bill, and I'm not sure if I have the ability to pay it. I'm like, man, this isn't good. And when Pastor Marty said, don't worry, this one's on me, there was an immediate sense of joy and a sense of relief that came with that. Why? Because I knew I didn't have to pay for it, that it was going to be free. And as I sat there, I remember what I got. I got a, a, like a turkey club sandwich. And as I sat there and I ate my turkey sandwich, I was just filled with joy. And that same joy and relief that came over me when he said he'll take care of it, not to worry about it, is the same joy that Christ wants you to feel when you realize that you have been forgiven for all of your sins. You see, the Bible says, and it teaches us, that he has washed your slate clean. He has separated your sins as far as east is from the west. He has forgiven you for everything you've ever done. But sometimes we receive this forgiveness that we ourselves are unwilling to freely give. And when we refuse to freely forgive like God has forgiven us, it stops up the flow of what God is trying to do in your life. It stops up what he's trying to do, not just in you, but through you. And that's when you stop growing and when you stop moving forward in your walk with Christ. Like I said, one of the hardest things I've seen working at a church is when people come in, they give their heart to Jesus, they're on fire, and their lives have been completely transformed, and and they're, they're growing, and they're gaining momentum, and it's almost like they hit a brick wall, like a barrier. And it's because they're holding on to something that they need to let go. And even now, maybe someone is sitting here thinking, I know where you're going with this. I I know where this is going to lead. But you don't know what happened to me. Maybe you're thinking, you don't know what I went through. And the truth is, some of you could tell me your story, and I'd probably agree with you. I'd probably agree that it's difficult to forgive or to let go of what happened to you because some of your stories are probably horrible. And there's probably a lot of hurt and a lot of pain in your story. And for me to even try to go there today, you automatically put up this defense. It's like you don't know what I went through. But I just ask you to stay with me for a few moments. And maybe we can look at that file again, that offense again, that hurt again, and see if Christ can put it away once and for all. Because God wants you to experience life to the fullest. He wants you to move forward. And not hit a wall. He wants you to continue to grow and to continue to gain momentum. He wants to continue to use you to be a blessing to those around me. And so, I'm going to ask you, has anyone ever done something to you or to someone that you love that you're struggling to forgive? Maybe it's something that you witnessed or something that you saw. Because I've learned that sometimes... People's lives get put on pause, not because of a personal offense, but because they take up an offense for someone else. What I mean is like, I can't believe you treated my mother that way. 
Or how could you do that to him? And we take up an offense and we take up a hurt. But if we're ever going to experience Christ the way he wants us to experience him, we have to find the strength to forgive the people not that just hurt us, but the ones that we loved. Maybe it's a, a mom or a dad or your brother or your sister. Maybe it's your child. Something happened to them and you're struggling to let that go. You know, it's so crazy to think that sometimes when it comes to us and when it comes to our own mistakes in our personal life, we tend to view our, view our own flaws through circumstances. And what I mean when I say that, it's like, for example, if we're late for church, we always have something to say, well, I'm sorry I'm late, but you just don't know my life right now. I'm really stressed out. But if your coworker is late, they must be lazy, right? If you don't finish your assignment at work on time, we got every excuse in the world of what happened. But if your coworker doesn't finish his assignment on, on time, they must be lazy. They must be irresponsible. They must be a bad worker. We view our own flaws to our circumstances, and at the same time, we take the place of God in somebody else's life by passing judgment on them. And if we're not careful, we'll spend our whole lives giving ourselves an out because of our circumstances while attacking the character and the integrity of another person. What happens is we take the seat of God in somebody else's life. We become the judge and the jury, and we think we know exactly why they did what they did, and we think we know the punishment that they should receive. So how do we do it? And how do we find the strength or the will to forgive those who have hurt us in our lives? Well, it starts with us. It starts with you. In order for us, in order for us here today to be able to forgive, we must first fully receive God's forgiveness and grace for ourselves. And I know that seems kind of straight, uh, strange. You know, we're in a church today, and I'm pretty sure many of you have given your heart to Jesus, and, and you've asked for forgiveness for your sins. And that's what most people say when you talk about letting things go. Most people tell me, well, I did, Chris. I gave my heart to Jesus. I invited him into my, my life. I became born again. Um, and you know what? That's absolutely true. They did. They're a new creation in Christ. They've been forgiven. But most people don't fully understand or grasp what Jesus Christ really did on the cross when he laid his life down for the forgiveness of our sins. We hear about it. We read about it. But a lot of times we don't spend too much thinking, time thinking about it because most people fully don't understand. Most people never fully embrace what he actually wiped clean, what he actually forgave you for, because it's so much deeper than what people know. And not just what he wiped clean then, but what he continues to wipe clean every single day. And what he'll wipe clean until the day he comes back, he will do it time and time again. No matter how many times you mess up, he will continue to forgive you. I'm talking as white as snow, as far as the east is from the west. He'll never bring it up again. Things that you experience every single day of your life, but somehow we never fully understand what he actually forgave. And so I want to share some verses with you to help paint a picture of what Jesus really did on the cross for us. And I believe if, if we could get to the point where we fully understand, we'll have an easier time releasing people that hurt us in our own lives. And so the first verse I'm going to share with you is Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Psalm 103, verse 8 through 12. And this is what it says. It says, The Lord is merciful, merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, 
nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are as high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So there's two words in that passage I want to focus on for a few minutes. The word iniquity and the word transgression. I want everyone to say iniquity together. Say iniquity. iniquity. Now say transgression. transgression. Now most of us don't fully understand what these biblical terms mean. We've heard them all before. We hear these words, iniquity, and we hear the word transgression, and if we're not careful, we will miss what he's trying to say to us. And so what is an iniquity? Iniquity is your internal motives. Those are the things that go on inside of you that you think you only know about. Those are the thoughts that you think. The words you say inside your head, the, to- the story that you tell yourself. There's the inward motivation inside of you. Those are your iniquities. And your transgressions are when those iniquities grow and turn into the sins you actually carry out. A transgression is your outward motives. Those are the sins that you actually commit. And people just don't wake up and automatically do bad things to you. It has to start somewhere. And it starts with an iniquity. It starts inside of them. It starts inside of you. Maybe it's a negative thought that you've entertained too long. If you entertain a negative thought about somebody too long, it will begin to grow. Or maybe it's something that you looked at that, got in, that you shouldn't have looked at. Something you watched that you shouldn't have watched. The inward sins, the iniquities, they grow inside of you as long as you entertain them. And they turn into transgressions or your outward actions, the sins that you actually commit. But listen to this. And Jesus said it in Matthew 5, 27 and 28. He says, you have heard it was said to those of old, you should not commit adultery. You shouldn't do that, he says. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman and lusts for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's an iniquity. See, Jesus knows what you're thinking when nobody else does. He says, you can't commit adultery with a woman. And he takes it a step farther. He says, matter of fact, you can't even look at a woman and think that way about her because I know what's going on inside of you. I know your true condition. He's saying it's the same thing. Just thinking about it is is, is a sin. If you even look at a man or a woman with lust in your heart, you have already committed transgression. You've already acted on it in the Lord's eyes. But I want you to see something else. And I'm going to read to you Isaiah 53, verse 5. And we're going to see what Jesus did on the cross. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says, But he was wounded... For our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. There's our two words iniquities and transgressions. It says that he was wounded. We know what a wound is it's an open wound where you bleed hourly. Jesus, we all know that they nailed him to the cross. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, he bled outwardly. Wounded for our transgressions. He bled for the sins that we commit, but he takes it a step further and it says that he was bruised for our iniquities. And we all know what a bruise is. It's blood puddling up underneath his skin that causes discoloration. 
So what's that say to us in that verse? Not only did he die for the sins that we committed, he died for the sins that we thought about committing. That iniquity. He was bruised for the iniquity. He shed his blood for internally for our internal sins. And so he died not just for the things that we have done. He died for the things that we've thought about doing. And Jesus paid an eternal price for our internal sins. He didn't just bleed on the outside. He bled on the inside for the sins that are inside of us. And he bled outwardly for the ones we would carry out. And most people never fully understand what he did on the cross. They never fully understand those words, iniquity and transgressions. Some people think that, that God is holding things against them. When they mess up, they feel bad about going to God. They, they feel bad about asking for forgiveness. You want to know why? Because they believe that God is like us. They believe that God keeps a record of wrongdoings on them. But that's not how our God works. We just saw in these verses. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. The deepest, nastiest, darkest secrets that you have inside of you, God has made a way. He's forgiven you for those sins, and people don't realize that. They think God is like us and keeps a record of wrong on them. But in Isaiah 53, verse 25, it says this. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. And so I looked up the Hebrew definition of the word remember. Remember in Hebrew means to name or to mention. He says, I will not remember your sins no more. If you translate, he says, I will not mention those sins anymore. I won't bring it up. It doesn't say that he forgets. That verse doesn't say that. He says, I choose to remember your sins no more. You see, God can't forget because he's all knowledge. It's who he is. But what he can do is choose never to bring it up again. Never even to mention it. That's what that word means, to mention or to bring up. Because of his love for us, he chooses never to bring up our past again. He chooses never to mention the things that you were thinking about. And God has forgiven your debt because of what Jesus did on the cross. And he will never bring it up again. He'll never name it. He'll never mention it. He won't remember it. And God says, if you can put your trust in me, I will not only forgive the things that everyone sees you do, but I'll also clean up those things that nobody sees you do. I'll clean up those things that you were thinking about. I'll clean up that jealousy that you were feeling against the man sitting next to you. I'll help you with those thoughts that you've been thinking. I won't bring it up. I won't tell nobody. I'll just wash it clean. When you're jealous or envious of somebody else, when you think those horrible thoughts about another person, or when you watch those things that you shouldn't watch, even though you've never acted on it, you know they're there. We all struggle in one way or another. Jesus says, I'm going to look at your most deepest, darkest iniquities, the things inside of you, and I'm going to say paid in full. Don't mention it. That's what he says. That's what the word remember means. He says, don't mention it. It never happened. Don't bring it up. It doesn't exist. He says, I cancel your debt. You don't owe anything. You see, God has completely deleted our past. Everyone here. And he considers the matter paid in full. And the thing is, until you fully receive God's forgiveness and grace for your, from your, for your own life, we can't from our hearts truly give it 
You can't forgive somebody who's done something bad to you until you fully understand what Jesus actually did for you on the cross. Until I came to this place myself, I struggled. And then I started to think about my inward motives, about my true condition, and the things I really struggle with. And then those people who hurt me don't look so bad no more. And I remember what Jesus did and what he did in my life and in my family. I was told growing up, and we've all heard this before, that when you're hurt, you forgive and you forget. We've all heard that before. Forgive and forget. Move on. We all know it's easier said than done. But that verse that we just read, it doesn't say that God forgets. It says he chooses to remember no more. Not to mention to bring it up. And the thing is, we are not wired to forget. God gave us a memory. He designed us with the ability to remember. It's a gift from God. And so telling somebody to forget about the hurt or forget about the pain is a lie. It's not going to happen. So forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not condoning their behavior or condoning what they did. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay because it's not okay and it does matter. Forgiveness is saying I'm clearing the books. I'm canceling the debt. I'm not carrying it around no more because you're done with it. And you tell the person you don't owe me anything. It's over. Like the word, remember, I'm not going to bring it up again. I'm choosing. It's a choice. I'm choosing to move on to be who God has created me to be. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7, talking about love, this is what it says. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. Love doesn't rejoice in other people's struggles. Love doesn't rejoice watching other people do bad things. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. That is what forgiveness is. It's not saying it's okay. Because it's not okay. It's not forgetting. Because it's hard to forget. It's saying I'm choosing to let it go. Because God let go the deepest, darkest things inside of me. I'm going to let that go too not going to forget. I'm just not going to bring it up. And it can be hard and it's a process. But until we receive that love from Christ that I just read, you can never give it. And so we have to be fully aware what Jesus really did on the cross. And if you've never received this, you can never give it. And so Christ is saying to the church today, he's saying to us here this morning, quit trying to be an accountant. Quit keeping a record of wrong. Stop looking around the church and wondering what they did and how they did it. Quit looking at your husband or your wife or your children with eyes of suspicion. Instead, look at them through the eyes of Christ. Look at them with love. Do not rejoice in iniquity. Do not rejoice in their transgressions. And start looking through the eyes of Christ. A love that believes all things, endures all things, that does not seek its own, And if you can do that, God will give you the strength to release those who've hurt you. He will give you the power to let it go and to move on and be free from that. He'll give you the strength to say 
you don't owe me nothing. Because when we hold unforgiveness in the heart, we are expecting something from that person. We are looking for an apology. We are looking for something. You are holding on to a record, a receipt, and saying, hey, you owe me. You did this to me. But when you fully receive the forgiveness that God has for you, you'll tear that receipt up, and you'll throw it away, and you'll be honest about your own condition. You'll say, I'm a wretched sinner just like everybody else. I ain't nobody different than the next man. And if you haven't heard anything I just said, I want you to hear this. When it comes to forgiving people, God will never ask you to forgive somebody more than he's already forgiven you. He will never ask you to release somebody from the pain and the suffering more than he's already released you. You don't know the things that I've done in my past. You don't know the things that go on inside of me. I do. And I'm grateful for the blood that he shed externally and internally because I know who I was. And I know the things I've done. Some of us here today would look down on a criminal as you share the same cell with him. And it's the truth. We'll look at him and we'll pass judgment. I can't believe you did that. As we sit there with him in, in the cell. I know it's hard. Even now, someone's probably thinking, you don't know. You're right. I don't know. But I can just share the word with you. I know it's hard. But Christ wants you to walk in freedom. Who of us here today is without sin? Not one of us. All of us fall short every day. All of us are are constantly bombarding the gates of heaven and asking God to forgive us. And if we're honest with ourselves, like the Apostle Paul wrote, I am the chief of sinners. The super Apostle Paul, those words. He said, I ain't no better than anybody else. I make mistakes and I fall short. I think we all can agree that none of us would want our inward sins put on those screens. If Pastor Russ was to come back next week and he says, okay, church, I'm going to take your iniquities and put them on that screen, every single one of us, including myself, would shudder with fear. You would do two things. You'd run out that front door, you'd run up there to pull that projector down because nobody would want their internal motive seen on that screen. Why? Because we know the truth about our own internal condition. We know the thoughts that we think And the lack of love that we sometimes feel for other people. And isn't it amazing that even on our worst days, even on our worst days, our darkest day, Christ still says to us, it's okay. I still forgive you. And I'm never going to bring it up again. My word is true today as it was yesterday. I'll never go back on it. I'll never bring it up. I won't mention it. I won't hold it against you, no matter how bad it is. I don't know about you, but I've come to the place in my life where I realize that I ain't no different than nobody. For the first couple of years, I thought I was holier than now. I'm a changed man. I'm a Christian now. And I did pass judgment on people when I looked at them. And I told you, repent. Turn from your life. Accept Jesus in your heart. And now I look around and I just realize, man, I'm a mess myself. And every morning when I wake up, I'm aware that I desperately need Jesus. I desperately need his forgiveness and his mercy for my life. I'm no different than any other person that makes mistakes. I'm still a sinner, and I still fall short. I realize that I desperately, desperately still need the blood of Jesus in my life. And I'm thankful for that blood. I'm thankful for the blood that he shed for the forgiveness of my sins. Forget about all you, just me. I'm thankful for that. I need that in my life. I'm thankful that he doesn't keep a record of my wrongs. I'm so thankful that God doesn't hold my mistakes against me. 
I'm thankful that my debt has been paid and I don't owe anything. I can stand here and I don't have to worry because I've been forgiven. I've been set free. But what about you? What about you here today, this morning? What is it that you're holding on to? What do you need to clear from your books? Are you keeping a record of wrong in somebody who's hurt you, who's offended you? Do you have it with you everywhere you go, and when you see them, you think negative thoughts about them? Are you expecting and waiting for an apology? What record of wrong are you holding on to that's causing your life to be put on pause? Let's make a decision today as brothers and sisters, as believers, as followers of Christ Jesus, the one who laid down his life and shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's make a decision today that we are going to clear the books once and for all. That we're not going to hold unforgiveness in our heart. That we're not going to keep a record of wrong. Let's make a decision together to let go of all the hurt and all the pain that somebody else has caused us. Let's make a decision to cancel the debt and consider the matter paid in full. Let's tell that person, maybe not to their face, but in your heart, it's over. You don't owe me anything. I'm moving on. And if you're here today and you think that you can't do it, if you think that you're not strong enough, well, then let's ask God for help. Because isn't he the one who said, I'll be your strength in your weakness? That I'll be your refuge in your rock? And so if you're struggling with unforgiveness, if you're struggling with hurt, then let's take it before the Lord. Let's ask him to help. That's why he's there, because he loves us. And so I'm going to close in prayer now. Would you close your eyes and bow your head with me this morning? I don't want to let you leave here today without giving you an opportunity to clear the books. I don't want to let you leave here today without giving you an opportunity to have an encounter with God. And so if anything I said to you, or if this message spoke to you, I want you just to slip your hand up right where you are. Now, without thinking or hesitation, I want you to come down here. I want you to come to the altar. I'm not going to ask you any questions. I just want to pray for you. I don't want to know about who hurt you. I don't know about what happened to you. I just want to pray for you. The altar is a place of laying things down. It's a place of sacrifice. And today we could put that to death. Don't be afraid. Just come down. Today could be the day that you clear the books. Today could be the day that you cancel that debt and you move forward and you walk in freedom. Father, I thank you so much for all the people coming down to your altar today. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for the blood that you shed and for the life that you gave for the forgiveness of our sins. God, I thank you for what you've done in our lives. And God, I thank you for what you're going to do. But God, sometimes it's, it's not easy to let go of hurt and pain. Sometimes we carry it around with us and it holds us back. God, it brings us down. And so God, you said that you would be our strength and our weakness. So we bring it to you today, Lord. And we ask you to help us release them. Whatever it is, Father God, you know every person that came to your altar, God. You know every single detail about their lives. You know them inside and out. You know what it is that's bothering them. You know what's, what they've been carrying around. So, God, we don't need to talk about it. We just ask that you give them the strength and the courage to let them go. And, God, we ask that from this day forward, you would help us to be your hands and feet, to show the people 
that hurt us, the same love that you showed us. God, we worship you and we praise you. And God, we honor you today, Lord. And give us the strength we need, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.